Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad uh, to be back in New York uh, after four straight days and two shows, two radio shows uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks to everyone who helped pay, uh, make that happen. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. We're also riding the breaking news, a press conference with at the university, at Michigan State University after a shooting yesterday. Uh, we also have a, an announcement about a presidential candidate making it official. And we have a major press briefing today. Excuse me, intelligence briefing today about what's happening with Balloon Gate, with the balloons that we can't call balloons. And happy Valentine's Day to everybody who, to whom it applies. So let's get to the big three. Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at Crunch.com. Number three. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. It's time for a new generation of leadership. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. Here we go. 2024, Ambassador Nikki Haley is in. She announced her run for presidency. Vivek Ramaswamy is teasing he might get in the race, too. Uh, That's the ultimate definition of a long shot. But, man, is he smart and rich. Meanwhile, on the left, the vibes in D.C. are growing bullish on Biden. But polling numbers show a majority of Dems want a new standard bearer for 2024. We will discuss. Number two. So when we went back there, we felt... Very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, We were coughing. uh, Our eyes were watering. um, Our skin was very flaky. Sound horrendous, right? Ohio. Cities abandoned, poisoned. Few seem to care, especially our transportation secretary, even though this gas was released due to a train derailment called transportation. How do we help these people? How do we stop a rash of derailments? Number one. We cannot publicly go into many details about how we discover uh, and counteract foreign intelligence collection efforts. But we were able to determine that China has a high altitude balloon program for intelligence collection. Yep, they do. Uh, we're here we go. The China balloon program. Not so secret. We just countered, complained or reacted as we all scramble to find out to find out what we took down, what we missed. And why they keep pointing fingers at the Trump administration. So there's been four uh, objects blown out of the sky. Okay. Uh, First one was Chinese with American writing on it. We just fished it out of the bottom of the water. Good job. Uh, They wanted to wait for it to transverse the entire country through military installations and then shoot down a surveillance balloon. Then we find out the three other balloons, because we've changed the dials to more sensitive, like you do in your dryer for delicate as opposed to. Uh, Maine just just drying. So we look and we see three other unidentified flying objects 
and we shoot them out of the sky. We miss one, and then we shot the second time. Every time we miss, I think it's $400,000. Great. The other ones, the first one had maneuverability. None of them, no indication the other ones do. We're not allowed. They don't call them balloons because it would diminish him. Uh, it might be hard for the Weather Channel, perhaps, to predict the next hurricane if they are indeed the weather balloons that they're rumored to be. So I, I am not afraid of a weather balloon, nor should you be. Uh, what is going on with our, our our intelligence operation? What is going on with the intelligence level at the White House? So there's an extensive announcement in 2019 about a, about a near-space program Manned, maneuvered balloons that will go around the earth and give intelligence and information back to the Chinese. We were concerned about it, but it didn't stop us from perhaps supplying it with intelligence, information, and chips and electronics. Six of those companies have been sanctioned that put together the balloon program. Of course, the Chinese respond belligerently. They say that we 10 times have breached their airspace and spy on them. Uh, So they are more than angry at us, even though they should be embarrassed and humiliated. And they got caught. The guy that came up with this program is called Wun Chi. He told the state-run news outlet in 2019 that they have uh, cloud chasers, airships, a milestone in his vision of populating the upper reaches of Earth, about 60,000 feet above Earth, with steerable balloons that could be used to provide early warnings for natural disasters, monitor pollution, or carry out airborne surveillance. I'll take the last one for 100, all right? I'm pretty sure you're not predicting hurricanes. So here is John Kirby pretending to answer questions. Cut one. John, does the U.S. government have video or imagery of these latest intercepts, and will you guys be releasing it? You'd have to talk to DOD about that, Jackie. I, I, I don't know what kind of imagery might exist, and uh, and they'd be one to, to talk about whether they're releasable or not. Um I do want to stress that, you know, we're going to want to make sure that we have had a chance to analyze that imagery uh, for ourselves as as much as possible. Unbelievable. Secretary of Defense Austin in Belgium meeting, taking his time about supplying weapons to Ukraine, cut four. And I want to reassure Americans that these objects do not present a military threat to anyone on the ground. They do, however, present a risk to civil aviation and potentially an intelligence collection threat, and we'll get to the bottom of it. They have a self there's rumored to be a self-destructive advice, uh, device on it. So think about this. Should we knock it out of the sky? Intelligence, or the Pentagon says it's too dangerous. But if they have a self-destructive uh, destructive advice on it, uh, they will decide when it blows up instead of us. So you don't want to blow it up over Montana, the original one. So you don't want to blow it up over... South Dakota, but you did blow it up off the coast of South Carolina, which arguably, with with the type of naval activity we have in that area, Myrtle Beach, probably more dangerous, more populated, we could kill a moose in Montana. This is from the people of Montana. So that doesn't add up. Are they surveilling us? Absolutely. Did they get caught? Yes, they did. Does this administration, would they have acted when it went over the Aleutian Islands? Aleutian Islands? They didn't, would they acted because Montana residents spotted it and a photojournalist photographed it? That's the only reason. And the reason why they didn't take it down makes no sense to me. So we're going to find out what's going to emerge that they could tell us 
in a big meeting today as people will be briefed on what exactly we did. And then they're going to weigh whether to tell us that they shot weather balloons out of the sky in response. So what is the response so far? Why did we miss it? They never miss an opportunity to blame the Trump administration. Really? They still don't think anything came over during their years. And believe me, we had photojournalists back then, too. And the press wasn't exactly covering up for President Trump. Here's Mike Morell. Cutting. One of the things you hear, right, is that they might not be getting um, any more intelligence from these balloons than they get from their spy satellites. But I think we can't assume that their spy satellites are as good as ours. So they may be getting uh, photographs, uh, better photographs uh, than they can get from their spy satellites. And they may be picking up um, what we call signals intelligence. That would be electronic emanations, right? Um, that would, would part, in part be, allow them to better target their spy satellites. So multiple things they could be collecting. So, uh, and they came after us when we caught them. And the way people have told me uh, that you can hover over one area with a balloon, steerable, maneuverable, as opposed to a satellite, which moves uh, as the Earth rotates, it will just move out of range. With balloons, get adjusted a lot easier, allowing it to be even more uh, dangerous in terms of losing intelligence. So I just don't understand why it continues to be necessary to bring up Donald Trump's name all the time. But people in that administration, like Mark Esper, who was Secretary of Defense, said this about the significance of what they're doing. Cut 11. It's absolutely a major breach. It's the uh, first intrusion of American airspace uh, in my lifetime that I can recall where a, a foreign adversary flew a surveillance platform not only over the United States, but over the most sensitive sites of the U.S. military in the States. And so it's a major breach, and it's a, it's a further breakdown of trust between our two countries. Right. And by the way, when did it first happen? Not under President Biden. It happened under the previous administration. Cut three. think for reasons that you will all understand, we cannot publicly go into many details about how we discover uh, and counteract foreign intelligence collection efforts. Because much of what we have done and are doing is, of course, sensitive. But... We were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection that's connected to the People's Liberation Army. It was operating during the previous administration, but they did not detect it. We detected it. We tracked it. And we have been carefully studying it to learn as much as we can. So think about this. China's doing this. They're hitting the Philippines with uh, what they say military-grade lasers to disrupt Coast Guard, uh, these type of re- their resupply missions uh, that go off the Philippine coast with the Coast Guard. Uh, we know they're doing the same balloon activity over Japan, and we know that they're doing with us. Uh, China has perhaps a problem with their military going rogue away from the President Xi. Can't confirm that, but a lot of people believe that we have intelligence that shows that President Xi didn't know about this. I don't know what would be more challenging. The other big story is Nikki Haley has entered the fray for 2024. Tomorrow it'll be official, but you could actually say it's official now because she put this out on social media, but she'll do a formal announcement. Meanwhile, one of the things she brings up when she did speak was about bullies. So when you talk about bullies, uh, I think Joe Biden's a lot of things, but no one looks at him as a bully. A lot of people look at President Trump like that. So that's interesting that she puts that in her opening salvo. Cut, uh, Cut 20. 
He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run if President Trump ran. And that's what President Trump brought up. Those statements made it seem, and Mike Pompeo indicated too, they wouldn't run if President Trump ran. President Trump is in and she is in. And what is the announcement? Here it is. Cut 19. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. So I just talked to Senator Kennedy, and Senator Kennedy says, I don't really know her. Okay. But she, he does know Tim Scott. And Tim Scott starts his listening tour this week. He's got two major packs. I'll talk about that when we come back. That has a lot of money. I think he's got like $16 million already. Uh, Trump's got a lot of money too, but he doesn't have a lot of donors. A lot of them want anybody but Trump and a lot of them waiting on the sideline to see who does in fact get in. Big story in the New York Times today. Uh, not that they have an insight into uh, Republican politics, but it is an interesting thought. How long can Ron DeSantis go without responding to the to the uh, to some of the criticism that President Trump and some of the barbs President Trump is throwing out at, at him. We'll see. Because, you know, DeSantis, he likes to mix it up. But does he really see a benefit to mixing it up with somebody who you want their voters? And when you go after a candidate, you're also going after their voters. That's why a lot of people have problems with Trump going after DeSantis. DeSantis wanted to stay above the fray, Kenny. Some interesting, very intriguing, some fascinating thoughts. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here on this Tuesday. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. From what I saw today, the site is largely cleaned up. The uh, uh, and, and there's more cleanup to do. The EPA has sampled and continues to sample the air quality. Uh, they've done 285 plus uh, home uh, air tests. They've got 185 more scheduled they're testing the water around the clock, uh, and, and you can better believe I'm going to be asking questions to make sure that
that we continue that until we're 100 percent sure that uh, that we've uh, really mitigated this problem. So what they're talking about is train derailment in Ohio, Palestin, uh, Ohio, at that uh, on February 6th, after this train derailment, which was devastating, they found there was very deadly chemicals there. So they did a controlled detonation of the derailed cars. By the way, why are they derailing? What's going on here? But the residents complaining of smells, headaches, nausea, and other ailments after the derailment and the control release made it everything worse. The Norfolk Southern yesterday, uh, Nor- in Norfolk Southern yesterday, released a detailed list of cars involved in the derailment, showing other dangerous chemicals that were potentially breached in the fire. They also find some dead animals everywhere, and they're wondering, is our water okay to drink? They're wondering, where's the national media and the Secretary of Transportation? What's going on? In response, the Secretary of Transportation tweeted this out. I continue to be concerned about the impacts of the third, uh, February 3rd derailment in Ohio and the effects on the families. And the 10 days since their lives were upended through no fault of their own, it's important that families have access to useful and accurate information. That's where you come in. That would certainly help. But people are distrustful of the process, including Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio. He is extremely upset about what he's seeing. Cut 17. I think that the entire country, the media complex, the leaders of this country have decided to disregard the people of East Palestine. If you look at the way that this story has been covered, if it's been covered at all, it's about how, you know, there are there are poor people in East Palestine who have been victimized by this disaster. Well, of course, that's true. But you want journalists asking tough questions about what's going on. You want to know, for example, what level of vinyl chloride is actually acceptable in the water? I've been trying to get an answer to that question for days. I haven't been able to get an answer to it. Why is vinyl chloride being or showing up in the Ohio River in West Virginia and Cincinnati, hundreds of miles away from where this accident took place. There are a lot of questions, and we don't, unfortunately, have a media that's actually interested in asking those questions. Yeah, and he's a little upset by it, and that's why he says he went there to make a difference, and he's a little upset. And we're watching people talk about how sick they feel uh, when they are in their area or going to work where these chemicals are out and about, and people are saying, oh, don't worry about it. Well, that's because it's not you. So instead of experts coming in and telling everyone there's no problem, why don't we just go to the people and ask them how they feel? Here's a a montage of how they feel living in an area which has basically been poisoned. Cut 15. So when we went back there, we felt um, very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, we were coughing. Uh, our eyes were watering. Um, our skin was very flaky and over the subsequent days um, became very dry, uh, continued to flake. It was it was less than ideal. We can say that. I truly feel like the evacuation order was lifted too early, prematurely. Uh, you know, I advise people, you know, if you don't have to go back yet, yeah, I mean, try to stay where you are. As far as the smell, that's definitely present. I was I can't today where we are right now at my shop. This is the first time I've been here in a week. And I was here five minutes, and I had a head. I have a headache right now, and you can smell it. Anyone who comes here who hasn't been here can smell it. So it's pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous uh, that's going. Evidently, an axle broke on the train. Same thing. There was a derailment in South Carolina. There was an accident on the tracks in Texas. Can you possibly describe transportation going any more south than since when Mayor Pete took it over? Some is unfortunate, unlucky. I get it. But the other stuff is just incompetence. This is an opportunity to show how you are in a clutch. Supply chain, Southwest Airlines, 
total grounding of our entire domestic travel, first time since 9-11, a series of derailments. And guess what? Mayor Pete is talking about equity when it comes to infrastructure projects. A joke. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Our decision was to get them where they need to go, to their sponsor or where they have resources and support, um, instead of just putting them on a bus to, to D.C., which is expensive. It's days of travel with lodging and food expenses. Um, we want to get them where they need to go. And, and that's providing relief to these communities that need it, but also a more humane response to these folks. And that is uh, Katie Hobbs describing why she's busing people to D.C. from the border. How about just sealing the border? I cannot believe the people of Arizona, the more I think about it, decided that she's a better opportunity. It's a better option now. Let's get easier on the border. Hire somebody that doesn't see it as a problem. And that's exactly what they've done. She was the first to say, let's move out those containers. Even though they were sued by the federal government, she put up no fight for it. And I think things are going to get a whole lot worse. I don't know why they put a Democrat in office there. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West uh, joins us now, the American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director. Welcome, Colonel. Why would you think that the people of Arizona would think so lightly about their border problem to put somebody there who's such a lightweight? Well, it's good to be with you, Brian, and happy Valentine's to everyone out there listening. I think that a lot of people in Arizona might say that we did not want to put Katie Hobbs in there uh, because you have a lot of questions about what happened in Maricopa County when on Election Day you had 59% of the voting machines uh, that had issues and problems in mainly Republican precincts. But, you know, it should not be something about Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Everyone should want to see safety and security, and they should want to see the sovereignty of their state protected, because when you look at what is happening there in Arizona, you know, you've seen the reports, the farmers who have to spoil their crops, destroy their crops when they spoil, when the illegals come through their uh, farmland. When you look at the rise and the increase of the fentanyl, you look at the rise and increase of crime uh, that is happening in the cities there. And now we're just pushing it on inland uh, to different parts of the United States of America. So it does not make any sense why anyone should want to have someone that uh, does not want to protect them and protect the security, safety, and sovereignty of their state. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, they've, they've looked into that. You have Republicans looking into it. No one's talked about anything of substance. Number two is Governor Ducey was the Republican governor for eight years. If he couldn't straighten yeah. out his own election, he should be ashamed of himself. I mean, you have Rick Scott straightened it out for eight years, and then you have DeSantis make sure it's the best in the country. So you're in that. You're there. You have Senator McCain, the most powerful Republican there, and you let your whole system go awry and have these questions. So, I mean, you can't depend on the federal government to straighten that out. You could only have uh, embarrassment. And uh, they say there's, there wasn't a significant problem. 
So uh, they say one of the things that Carrie Lake did is basically went out and said, if you're a John McCain supporter, I don't want your vote. So you kind of wiped out a lot of moderates and independents, and she was stuck with just Republicans, and she lost a seven-point lead in about two weeks. So I, I think she was so talented, but maybe had a, ter- had a terrible strategy. Uh, but now we're all paying the price. For it. I know Bill Hemmer is down there now. You know what else they found? And I know you probably know this. They found drones. These cartels are running drones into our country to find soft spot yeah. in our border patrol to send our so-called future gotaways through. Yeah. When you think about violation of our airspace, that's exactly what the transnational narco-criminal terrorists are doing. They're flying drones in United States airspace on our side of the Rio Grande, our side of the border, to conduct uh, surveillance and intelligence. Uh, We know this is a fact here in Texas, that we do not have operational control of our border zone. And that means X amount of miles coming into Texas from the Rio Grande. And something has to change about that. And again, you know, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, if you are not doing what is necessary to protect the sovereignty of your state and the security of your people that are living there, and you're turning it over to this uh, terrorist organization, which is what the cartels really are, who are working hand-in-hand with the Chinese. Brian, we're starting to see an increase of Chinese nationals across the border. That's incredible. And so we know that here is a a collusion between our number one geopolitical foe and a terrorist organization. And and why aren't we clamping down on this? Look, this is worse than what I saw in Afghanistan uh, with the border with Pakistan. But this is our own backyard. This is our own country. We're not protecting our airspace. We're not protecting our borders. Right. Uh, So they did a Gallup poll. They ask Americans, are you satisfied with the level of immigration into this country? Very or somewhat dissatisfied, 63%. Uh, somewhat satisfied, only 28%. So the number is growing. What's going to get Democrats' attention is independence. When independents start saying we're dissatisfied, that's the only thing they care about because they know in their head they'll never satisfy a Republican who cares about the border. So Katie Hobbs was asked, in Arizona, where it's almost as bad as Texas, what, whose fault is it? I want to focus on how we use the taxpayer resources in the best way possible to uh, address the needs of the impacted communities, um, but then continue to push Washington to actually solve this issue. The can has been kicked down the road for decades by both parties in Washington. Solving our immigration crisis could help with the economy, help with inflation. Um, We need real solutions. Uh, They hired a valley girl. Uh, So but why don't you say President Biden has got to step up? Uh, why not just call them out? Mayor Adams falls just short of doing that, but at least he goes to the border. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I feel like we're going to be doing the same segment unless things get so bad they have no choice. Are they so bad? Well, Brian, you would tend to believe that when you lose over 100,000 Americans in one year uh, to this fentanyl crisis, that that would be bad. When you look at the human and sex trafficking crisis we had, you would think that that would be bad. When you look at the the terrorists that are able to come across, that would be bad. And so when you listen to that word salad uh, from Governor Hobbs out there in Arizona, you know, what she needs to say is that, you know, I'm the leader of this state, and I'm not going to worry about what the federal government's going to do. I'm going to protect my state. Uh, everyone seems to just pass the buck, and it's the exact same thing we've seen 
same with all of these quote-unquote objects that are being shot down out of the sky. Now it's not the responsibility of the Biden administration. It's, well, you know, they were there with the Trump administration. Somebody has to stand up and be the, the, the adult in the room, be a leader in the room. Remember Harry Truman used to say the buck stops here? That principle needs to be restored here in America. Right. So about those uh, unidentified flying objects, but don't ask any questions. Here's Mike Morrell on what China could be up to. Now, keep in mind, we only have one of them confirmed, we believe, from China. The other three, we have no idea. Cut seven. I'm thinking that we may have three different reasons here why the Chinese may be doing this. Um, One is obviously intelligence collection of sensitive military sites. But I think a second is political. Uh, We fly many um, surveillance flights, intelligence collection flights, not over China, but near China. Uh, The Chinese can't do that. They don't have military bases close enough to the United States. So I think they're sending a message here that, look, we can spy on you too. And then finally, I think there may be a military purpose. We can't discount that. They may be considering that should we ever go to war, that this might be a way to deliver weapons. How do you feel about his theories? Well, his theory number one and theory number three are connected because you don't conduct surveillance and intelligence unless you're trying to build, like we said in the Army, a high payoff target list because you're looking at nefarious and intentions. And nefarious intentions. China is now outpacing us with interconnect, intercontinental ballistic missiles. And guess what? You've got to develop the, the target list for that. So that's connected. Their, their military uh, advancements, especially, like I say, in the intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, and the fact that they're conducting surveillance and intelligence over key military installation, over our bases, over key infrastructure, the fact that they're going in and buying land next to key uh, military bases, that tells you everything that you need to know. So I think that it's time that we realize that we have to stand up to them. And I I don't know if a lot of people remember when the Chinese forced down a P-3 Orion uh, Navy surveillance uh, plane. They tore it apart. They took everything they could, and I will guarantee you that they've done the exact same thing with a lot of the equipment that we left in Afghanistan, trying to, once again, uh, learn tech- technology that we use. And, of course, we know that they're still an intellectual property, and they're forcing technology transfers. So where's the plan from the Biden administration what they're going to do to, to tamp down on this? A hundred percent. We don't get any information. We don't have any detail. But I want to end with this. Washington Post did a fact check. You know what they did a fact check on? The 51 intel officers that came forward right before the last election and said the Hunter Biden laptop is classic Russian disinformation. Evidently, they, they hedged some words, and the fact check says they never said that. They said that, uh, in fact, they even said their headline was wrong uh, that Politico put up there. And James Clapper, who is one of the uh, intellects that came out and signed this said, There was a message distortion. All we were doing was raising a yellow flag that could be Russian disinformation. Politico deliberately distorted that what we said. It was a clear uh, it was clear in paragraph five in paragraph five. You know what they were trying to do. And now you know how they're trying to walk it back. Why? Because the House is doing an investigation. This to me shows there's just no character in our intelligence to stand behind what they signed their name to. How do you how do you look at this? 
No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that uh, you had people that were being partisans and being political instead of worrying about the, uh, the, the, the state of this union and protecting uh, our national secrets and our intelligence. And so now the question I would ask, if this was really Russian disinformation, it's all just a joke, then why is Hunter Biden lawyering up? Why is he going and, you know, no, no, asking but, his but, but that's even but That's even a different thing. How about this? When you're a CIA director and you sign a letter that's used in a debate days later by a future president yeah. of the United States to say that the Hunter Biden laptop is classic disinformation and 51 intel officers signed off on it, they no one complained the next day. No one said the president took him out of context. But the Washington Post nope. is trying to cover for him right before the investigation and the hearings. Brian, it's just one single thing. Everyone is caught up in the web of lies and deceit. And so if you tell the truth, you don't have to come back and do all this backtracking and someone took me out of context. We know that there's something wrong in the intelligence community. We know that there's something wrong in many of the agencies of the federal government that have been uh, compromised, co-opted, and they're not focused on what their duties are supposed to be. They're focusing on partisan politics, and everything is coming home to roost on them, as a certain uh, reverend from Chicago once said. Thanks so much, uh, Alan West. Appreciate it, Colonel. Great to have you on. It was a pleasure. Have a great day, Brian. You too. one 408 7669 How diabolical is that? Where's the character? You could at least come out and say you're wrong. Now you're saying that we misinterpreted and it was clear in Article 5? When the president misinterpreted your article and your letter that you signed, did you walk it back and say, Joe Biden's taking me out of context? I hope that the Republicans, when they go to call these 51 in, pull out their comments after the letter was out there, backing up exactly what they said. And, you know, Clapper and Brennan were doing just that. And just to refresh your memory, a year later, the Washington Post said the laptop was real and it wasn't Russian disinformation, as is the New York Times. Uh, and then they got find themselves with that letter still out there. And one of the biggest disappointments is Leon Panetta. Sure, he's a partisan. But sometimes when it comes to intelligence and CIA... I thought he had more integrity than that. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, I see you up there on the board. I'll take your calls uh, on everything we've been discussing. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. We've got a, a few a few minutes now. Let's get some calls. Uh, happy to be back, and thanks to everybody that made this uh, made our great shows Friday and Monday possible. But now we're back in action on this Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Steve, you're listening on WDBO in Orlando, Florida. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Listen, uh, this all this stuff that's going on is about one thing, one thing, only money. You're not going to change it. It can't be changed. There's just too much corruption, and there's too much money thrown at folks that just can't turn it down. It's too much. The system has to be changed some way, somehow. I have no idea how they're going to do it. It's a complicated, big, fat mess. I don't believe in either party anymore. They, they, that, especially the older Republicans. Oh, oh, so you're talking about 2024. Yeah, so you just think it's all about money, who raises the most money. You're not going to support Trump any longer? 
I, I supported him twice. You know, I, I think he's a great guy. He does a great job. He's awesome. But there's too many snowflakes, wimps, wussies, whatever you want to call them, that can't handle the truth, as, as Jack Nicholson said, who can't handle the truth on where we are in this situation. I mean, we just – they can't. They don't want to know the truth. They just want to be able to dial up on Grubhub, and, and that's it. So that's, you that's so just, you just think you a, can get elected, Steve. So you're like, I, you need someone who's going to get elected is your concern. Right. I mean, somebody that can and maybe can make a change in a in a, a flyer way. Gotcha. I mean, I, he's just too straightforward. I like the guy. I love the guy. He's super. What I do you mean, think of Nikki really Haley? Is. I like her. She's sharp. She's smart. I think she can outweigh a lot of those clowns up there. But you just when you have every single department against you, how do you win? We'll see. I mean, every we'll see. single. Well, we'll see. It's there. still possible. You just got to get moderates and Democrats because the Democrats have a terrible candidate who happens to be president. Um, uh, moderates I, I and independents. I agree with you, Brian. I hear you. Jay, let's go. I just got to move on. Jay, I'll listen on the Fox News Radio app in California. Hey, Jay. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Nice to hear you this morning. Thanks for getting up early. What's on your mind? Hey, no, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, I'm not putting blame towards Trump, but I am saying that uh, he did develop the Space Force, and I would think part of that would be to control our airspace. And, I mean, China's balloons have been coming by like a lead balloon over his head how many times before Joe Biden took place in office. And that's something that, uh, you know, the media is not really talking about. But uh, That's I a good point. Well, but, you know, that obviously, be- obviously you're only as good as the intelligence you're given. And the question right. is, if Mike Pompeo, Mark Meadows, John Bolton – Nikki Haley, uh, I I keep I go on I I get to, uh, Esper Mark Esper. They all said the same thing. They never heard anything about this. So about the so near space access that these balloons give China. Now the New York Times today says they came out and announced this to China in 2019. Uh, they said that they had a way. They said uh, they had a way to surf the clouds and get intelligence and surveillance. They said a lot of it was to predict weather. Nobody believes that. So that's, I, I'll ask Secretary of State Pompeo, but if they look the other way, that's a problem. You know, if they said they mischaracterized or misinterpreted how much they're capable of, that's a problem. But I'm telling you, I talked to the, all these people I just mentioned on and off the air. They had no idea about what this balloon was or the, what it was doing, and they doubt hell highly that what the Biden administration now says that, they, that they've had balloons come through four separate times. So I, it's just amazing that we would have our air defense breached for the first time since World War II, and we wouldn't know it and would be a balloon as something as low-tech as that. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that we're going to get a briefing today for our intelligence. Uh, the, uh, our senators on the Senate Select uh, Committee. So they're going to get briefed. Now, they're going to be smart about it, but they're going to tell us more. And if they come out and feel somewhat satisfied about what they heard, then you know that the Biden administration acted responsibly. But the fact that they don't speak about it, the president doesn't come out about it, makes everyone say, well, I'm going to come up with any theory I want because nobody else is telling me the truth. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm back in New York at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Privileged to be out with the great people of Arizona. A lot of fans of the radio show out there. We love that. A lot of people looking on the, listening on the app and or you get the podcast, which you could always get, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. You'll see us down there, and we get millions of downloads, which is great. This hour, we're going to be joined by Carl Rove, and uh, we're going to do a simulcast with uh, Stuart Varney on his show in about uh, 45 minutes. So we'll do that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. It's time for a new generation of leadership. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. That's right. Ambassador Nikki Haley announced her run for the presidency. Vivek Ramaswamy is teasing he might go in. Tim Scott is on a listening tour. What does it mean for the field in 2024? We'll talk about it. Number two. So when we went back there, we felt very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, We were coughing. uh, Our eyes were watering. um, Our skin was very flaky. Wow. Unbelievable. Residents returning to their home after the derailment and the unleashing of chemicals into the atmosphere and a forced detonation they said was supposed to help things. Could it be poisoning the people like it's killing their animals? And where is the Secretary of Transportation on this? We'll discuss. Number one. We cannot publicly go into many details about how we discover uh, and counteract foreign intelligence collection efforts. But we were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection. Well, good luck. China balloons program, not so secret. We just never countered it. We never complained about it. We never reacted to it. We're now scrambling to find out what we took down. Were all four of these unidentified flying objects from China, what we missed, and why they keep on pointing fingers at the Trump administration. Joining us now, a man doesn't point fingers but has theories and facts. Carl Rove, uh, you know Carl Rove, best-selling author and insightful guy, Fox News contributor. Carl, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Carl, why are we in the middle of Balloon Gate? And when we find out in 2019, China made a formal announcement. They basically have this this near-space program that was going to help forecast storms, and provide surveillance opportunities? Well, uh, look, if this were a weather program, they would have announced it. They would have let us know that the balloon was coming. They would have taken steps to assure people of it. But they didn't. This was a surprise. They denied it was theirs initially. Uh, This was clearly a surveillance uh, uh, effort. And um, we uh, we should have shot it down when we had a a chance to do so when it was over Alaska or Canada. And, uh, you know, at least now we've got it uh, shot down and, and picking up the pieces in, in out of the Atlantic so we can get a sense of what they're capable of doing and what they were picking up. And um, but, you know, I, I'm mystified as to why the president of the United States has yet to speak on this. This is a big item. And this is what the country wants to be you know, reassured by their president about. And the failure to mention it in the State of the Union and the uh, you know willingness to have uh, his White House press secretary go out and say things about it that only made it worse. I mean, at least John Kirby yesterday and the Secretary of Defense uh, at least sort of made the right kind of noises. But this is something that, is, that rises to the level of the president, and he's making a mistake by not addressing it. I mean, why do you want to be president if you don't want to speak during times of crisis? 
What would if you don't want to communicate with the American people, don't get the job. I mean, why do, yeah. why are you campaigning for the job for 50 years and you don't want to step up and define it? And the word I don't know yet is OK. It makes people yeah. trust less. I mean, we just right now we're sitting there saying they can't rule out a space alien. I mean, that's how yeah. crazy this is. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, you're, you're absolutely right. If the president said, look, there are things that we don't know yet, and there are also things that we're busy, you know, examining the, uh, the, the, uh, the items that we picked up out of the Atlantic, and we're looking at the, uh, the, the data that we collected from surveilling these, uh, these, these uh, balloons, and, and we're, we're going to get to the bottom of it. That would be reassuring. But the fact that he won't address it is just bizarre. And, and, you know, the State of the Union address was the moment where he should have talked about it. And the fact that he didn't uh, is indicative of, of how political the speech was. We don't want to do anything to disturb the moment that might, you know, force the, you know, force some of the knuckleheads in the Republican House caucus to stand up and scream at us because that's what we want the, the event to be about. You know, just completely political, not presidential and a big mistake. So I want you to hear John Kirby. I, I, I expect more of him, but I've been let down constantly. He comes out, and of course, he got to keep reaching back and saying something that the Trump officials from Esper to Pompeo deny. Cut three. think for reasons that you will all understand, we cannot publicly go into many details about how we discover uh, and counteract foreign intelligence collection efforts, because much of what we have done and are doing is, of course, sensitive. But we were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection that's connected to the People's Liberation Army. It was operating during the previous administration, but they did not detect it. We detected it. We tracked it. And we have been carefully studying it to learn as much as we can. So the past administration let it the yeah. world down. Yeah, look, look I, I like John Kirby. He's a pro, but that was political. And that is not the job of the guy who represents the National Security Council. The we that did not detect it is the U.S. military. We had a U.S. military was charged with protecting our skies and didn't during apparently during the Trump years. But that was the military's fault. That, that was a cheap shot. And he should be embarrassed about it. Yeah. I mean, especially when you have people that clearly have credibility that are they're not political, like Mark Esper say, I don't know what they're talking about. You have John yeah. Bolton, who who despises Trump more than life itself, said, listen, nothing came across my desk there. And then yeah. I, you know, and I, I text the same people you text, you know, I, I speak to Robert O'Brien. First thing I did, he said, no, of course not. I would have, we would have stopped this in a second. There wouldn't have been any doubt about it, but they did announce it. And we have sanctioned six companies associated with the balloon program. But are you surprised by China coming back in a belligerent fashion saying the U S 10 times has sent balloons into our, uh, into uh, uh, breach our country's sovereignty and that we spy more than anybody else and affect free speech more than anybody else. So that regardless of what you think, this is being ratcheted up. Yeah. Look, I'm not surprised that the Chinese would be embarrassed, and, and I'm also not surprised that the Chinese would lie. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the fact, though, that that, that went uns, unresponded to by the president, the president ought to be out there saying, you know, with all due respect, the, the Chinese government lied, and we know that they're, they're lying, and it does nothing to uh, affect the, positively affect the relationship between our two countries to engage in that kind of behavior. That's what the American people want to hear. So far, I think you're right. So the other news that we got this morning that we were expecting to get tomorrow uh, was Nikki Haley making it official. Uh, she is going to run. Here's a little of her message 
I did not add the music. Cut 19. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. So, Carl Rover, what are her pluses and minuses? Well, you heard some of what she's going to emphasize there, outsider. Remember, when she runs for governor, well, first, when she runs for the state legislature, she runs against the longest-serving Republican member of the legislature in South Carolina, who talked about retiring, had sort of retired, but then decided to run again. And she was not dissuaded. She took him on and beat him soundly in the Republican primary by by articulating what it was she was going to do. 2010, she runs for governor. She's running against the sitting lieutenant governor who's next in line to become the governor, the attorney general, who's a pretty powerful guy, and a very popular Republican member of Congress. And she is a third, three-term member of the state house. And she beats him. And I mean, like a drum. In the first round, she got 48% of the vote. The next guy got 21. And in the runoff, she wins over two-thirds of the vote and then gets reelected four years later. So she's an outsider who took on the state legislative majorities and said, you've got to cut the spending. You've got too much spending in your budget. She's also uh, and, and so that, that outsider tone is a, is a good one for her. It's based in who she is. The other thing that's interesting to me is new generation of leadership. You've, you and I've talked about this for 32 years. We were governed by presidents who were of the greatest generation for 32 years. We've been governed by people who were part of the baby boomers. And she's re- she's now saying we need to move beyond that. We need to have a younger generation of leadership. She was elected governor at 38. She's I think 51 today. I mean, this is a you know this is a call for turning the page and turning the country over to a new generation of leadership. It is a direct attack on Joe Biden, but it's also a sort of a slight of, of President Trump saying you know to the 80 the 80 year old and the 76 year old who will be 82 and eight and 78 by the time of the next election. We, we can do better. So is this a problem? Cut 20. He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run if President Trump ran. Is that a problem? Uh, yeah, but but people are entitled to change your mind. And, uh, you know, her explanation is, is that, look, the, the, the country is in uh, facing big challenges. And I believe that, that we, we would be better served by having a Republican who enters the election capable of beating Joe Biden. And I'm that person. So she she has to live with what she said. But but she, her explanation is one that returns to one of her strengths, which is the country wants young, new leadership to meet the challenges of the future and would be better served by having somebody in their 50s than having two people who are in their 70s and 80s. All right, so a couple of things. Uh, Rick, uh, it looks like Tim Scott's setting up a listening tour. It starts Thursday. He's got two packs with $16 million at least. I saw him at the Super Bowl. He's doing all the right things. I think this guy's running. Well, how do you like Tim Scott? How does he size up? Well, it's interesting. We're going to have both Tim Scott and Nikki Haley at uh, – a conference here in Austin on the 24th of February, week from Friday, um, for our Texas Republican voter registration effort. And uh, he is a powerful figure as well. And again, same kind of thing, outsider. Talk about the ultimate outsider. 
conservative black Republican in South Carolina, uh, and also uh, a younger generation. I mean, that's one of the things that that I think is being under under uh, appreciated at this point in the contest is I think there is a sentiment growing in this country. I saw it the day after the election at a speech I gave in South. Dakota, I think there's a growing sense within the Republican ranks that our that our party and our country would be better served by a new generation of leadership. And Tim Scott, in many ways, represents that as well. So the other person, uh, big story today in The New York Times, but we, everyone's been talking about it. When does Ron DeSantis start uh, going back at the former president, or, or should he? Because he's going after him directly, put up a picture when he was a teacher, uh, talking about calling him um, meathead. Um, uh, also going out and I think calling him shut down, uh, Ron, which is totally erroneous. He was the first, he regrets shutting down a day, but he listened to the president when he did that, uh, and stayed open through it all. So when does the, when does Ron DeSantis counter? Look, I don't think he needs to counter now. He's the governor. He's setting the tone. He's announcing today some new initiatives on, uh, so-called ESG investing and, and other woke theories, uh, and you know he's he's got a he's got a platform as governor that that he's exploiting, and he's had people are coming to see him uh, in in Tallahassee or or in Florida generally, just like they came to see George W. Bush in the Texas governor's mansion in 1998 and 1999. So I don't think it is essential for him to begin counterpunching every one of the. First of all, in 2016. When Donald Trump was the insurgent and went after all of his 17 or 16 other uh, primary candidates, he was punching up. He's now the former president. So when he attacks Ron DeSantis, he's punching down. It makes him look smaller and makes DeSantis look bigger, particularly when he does things like attacks him for being – you know, shut down DeSantis. I mean, <laughs> makes no sense. You know, you know, it's just it's beyond me. Why? Why is the former president doing? He he criticized Ron DeSantis when DeSantis was opening up Florida, saying he I think he's doing the wrong thing. So I mean, you know, you can't rewrite history entirely. So to me, there's a sign of weakness on the part of Trump, a sign of strength on DeSantis, and I think DeSantis has handled it well by basically, you know, the most recent one he said, I'm I'm focused on on getting things done. I'm not focused on on mm-hmm. Uh, tearing down other Republicans. And earlier, when, when uh, Trump announced that he was Ron DeSanctimonious, I mean, he brushed it off, uh, making himself look stronger and Trump looked weaker. Yeah, it's interesting because going back direct at him like Rubio did didn't work either. So I want you to hear what else was in her 15-minute remarks uh, the day before she makes it official, even though she's kind of official now. It's kind of bizarre. Here, l- listen to this. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but is she referring to the foreign president? No, I just you know there's been a couple of times where cheap shots have been taken at her, and she 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 hit back. And 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 when she was governor of the state of South Carolina, she was she had a lot of uh, you know let's a sparring and let's call it with with Republicans in the legislature, and she came out on top. So I look, look uh, I think one of the more memorable lines was when she was accused by Larry Kudlow of, sure. of, of of being confused, and she said, "With all due respect, I don't get confused." I thought that was a great retort. 
and uh, showed that she's got some grit, and people like grit in their presidents. Yeah, I read her book, and, and she took on General Kelly, too. Uh, and I, I just, I'm very impressed with her. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be far. I think she's going to be formidable. Uh, but I look forward to get, continuing to analyze all this with you, Carl. Carl Rove, thanks so much. You bet. All the best. You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Back in a moment. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, I got a couple of minutes here. I'm going to do uh, with Barney and Company talk about immigration and illegal immigration at that. But I also want to point out this. Uh, there's a story out today in the Washington Post. They fact-checked what's going to be investigated by the Republican House. And that is oversight. And that is when those 51 intel experts, including six former directors of the CIA, signed off and said the Hunter Biden laptop was a sign of classic Russian disinformation. They're now saying splitting hairs and saying we didn't say it was. We're saying it it looked like it was. We didn't mean to indicate anything. We just wanted to put together a letter and get it out there. And The Washington Post now says that it uh, that it was politically false. It was false to say that these guys said it was Russian disinformation. They just indicated it was. And this, to me, is why people despise politics, because you think intel is supposed to be divorced from politics. Now they're signing off and inserting themselves like they did in the 2020 election. And when they use, when President Biden used their letter to say that it shows that my son's laptop wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't his when he knew it was, and said 51 experts said it was classic Russian information. Where was Clapper and Brennan and Morell and all these people saying, and Panetta? No, no, they're mischaracterizing the letter. We were just saying it looked like Russian information. No, you used it. And don't back off, Republicans. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to do a simulcast with Barney and company and squeeze in some calls at one 866 But, you know, we're fresh off Phoenix, uh, side of Super Bowl uh, 57. And I had a chance to talk to a lot of people, obviously not playing in the game. And, and uh, Rob Gronkowski, you have a guy who's won four Super Bowls and played in more. And I had a chance to talk to him. And this guy is still in his early 30s. He's joined Fox or Broadcaster. I think comeback is off the table. But one thing about him, as crazy as he is, to me, he's a very savvy business person. And that's what I picked up in this crazy Gronk beach party. They invited us to go behind the scenes with him. And we also had a conversation longer that was cut down to a, just a few minutes on television. So we thought we'd let you hear the whole conversation. We had some fun. But this guy is so much smarter than he is perceived to be. Listen. So, Rob, the business of partying, is that the briefcase? Yes, it's the briefcase. It's the first ever Annual Grand Beach briefcase ever in history, sponsored by Pit Viper, baby. I love them. I love the team. But let me tell you, it's all business today. Dancing, having a great time, my man. Is that what the is that what the Grand Beach party is? Is that the goal? Is that what you told everyone the design? Oh uh, yes, Grand Beach is all about coming out here, losing your mind a little bit, having a good time, putting all your stresses away, coming out here, you know, 
getting some sunshine, getting some rays, getting a nice tan while you're out here, having a couple drinks, feeling good, but also dancing your face off. Right. That's what it's really about, is the dancing. Right. And you can dance, let's be honest. Yes, I can dance grunt style. Right. You know, my moves are kind of like Elvis. Aggressive. Yes, very aggressive. I gyrate the whole time. That new movie, Elvis, that just came out. Yes. I finally found out where my dance, where my dance are originally rooted from and it's from Elvis. Really? Yes, it's the family of Elvis. You just gyrate and you go crazy. You right. shake the whole entire body. I think there's more to that, but I'm going to go with what you're saying. Now, you're, you're kind of business too. You're working for Fox. What did you do this week for the pregame show? What is it like working with the guys? Oh, it's amazing working with the guys. I love Strahan, Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, Kurt Menefee, Jake Glazer, just everyone. Jimmy Johnson, they're just such great guys. They're putting me under their wing and just helping me out so much. They want to see me just have they success. Want to see yes, which is amazing. And uh, it's it's just so awesome just being part of the team, just seeing how great they are and how professional they are as well. And uh, we got a big pregame show tomorrow, a five-hour pregame show. I actually just came from rehearsals. That's why I'm just a tad bit late, just a tad bit late to Grunk Beach. But it's going to be a great show, just like Grunk Beach is going to be a great show. When are we going to see you on? You do a one-on-one? No, I'm not doing any one-on-ones. That's for Strayham and Terry Bradshaw. They're very great at it. I'm just going to be at the, you know, the booth, uh, just analyzing some games, just throwing my two cents in there, and uh, just talking about the Super Bowl, man. Now, Brady, you're known to take your shirt off. There's pictures of you with your shirt off. All of a sudden, Brady's got his shirt off. What's going on yes. with this? Yeah, I know. That's a little crazy. I mean, he's a he's a Florida boy now, so you got to be able to take your shirt off when you're in Florida. It's 85 degrees every single day there. But uh, I'm just listening to this music, man. Little you're Jonathan. loving it. Yeah, I'm loving it. I, I was kind of a little tired. I've had so many events, but let me tell you, I just listen to this music. I'm getting rejuiced right now, and that's what I'm talking about. And also, I'm in the sun. Sun, when the sun hits my body, what it gives me juice. It, it just gives me juice. Last thing. Yes. You are so accomplished in your 30s, which you're known as a partier. You said you wouldn't have been the same player without being a partier. However, without the discipline, you wouldn't have the success. What's the medium? Yes, there's definitely a medium. I mean, you can only party if you get, you know, take care of your work that week. Uh, make sure you get everything done, and then, you know, time to have a good time, and then reset yourself again that week. But also, I would say, I was partying, but I wasn't just sitting there drinking, just laying there eating food. While we were partying, we were dancing. I was lifting up my friends. They were jumping on my back. I was, you know, dancing all over the place, moving my feet all over the place, working on my footwork. So let me tell you, somehow all that movement, all that gyrating, it just translates to the field if you're going hard enough on the dance floor. Really, I got to talk about myself for a second. I want to follow you on stage and find out what it's like to be Gronk at the Gronk Beach Party. Am I dressed okay? No, you're not, man. First, you need your Wrangler jean jacket, dog. Oh, whoa, 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 out of nowhere. Here you go, man. The official rock On or off? On. Put those pit vipers on. Woo! He's looking fresh, baby. Yeah, you, you're looking like a daddy. You think now that Brady, now that you're retired, we'll hang out a lot? Yeah, we'll hang out all the time. All we right. both work for Fox. We love Fox. Let's this go. Work. Did you say work? We're not working. Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. This isn't work. Let's go. And there, uh, he threw me a jacket, uh, which it was, a, it was a jeans jacket. I haven't had on since a jeans jacket really since 11th grade. And number two, it had no sleeves uh, because Gronk's got, like me, extremely large arms, well-defined. So I was able to put them on, grab his sunglasses. But I was amazed that there was all these sponsors with Gronk Beach, right? So you think it's just crazy. You walk in, Corona's a sponsor. The first thing you see is Corona. Pictures, he takes pictures with Corona. I mean, he stops the photographer. Then he goes down. I think there's some liquor there, too. I forgot which one it is. My bad. The Wrangler is another sponsor. What does he say to me? He says, Wrangler jean jacket. Okay, there you go. And then he goes out on stage, and he has a beast energy drink in one hand. When they hand him champagne, he never puts the drink down, and the champagne is sponsored. I don't know the name of it, so I don't want to just uh, guess. So they have. he never lets it go, right? So everything he does, there's a sponsorship. 
Then he goes in behind the bar. Then he goes to beach volleyball, which is sponsored by somebody else. He knows the cameras follow him. So he gets it. Now, if he was just a crazy drinker, I would think that he's going to have a problem. People are going to say, well, you know, you're going to be like the Dean Martin of sports, drunk all the time. He's not. In fact, most of the time, the guy is one of these guys, my opinion, because I don't hang out with him, doesn't really need alcohol. He's always getting out of control, doesn't really need it. I mean, there's all types of video of him hanging out at bars, but there's also video of him walking out of bars, not being carried out of bars. And the thing is, he's so good and for so long and played through so many injuries if he wasn't incredibly disciplined, uh, away from the persona, I'm not saying he's not crazy, away from the persona, he wouldn't have been top three tight ends, and I think certain to be a Hall of Famer. And you know he's got the respect of Brady. If he was just some crazy chronic partier, do you think he'd be friends with Tom Brady? Also, Brady's got a major retirement party. We did get an unofficial invite there, so I hope to go in March. We'll bring you that. So that'll be great. Maybe even bring the cameras. Because think about this. Fox has now signed Gronkowski, biggest personality in football. And then he has Tom Brady, the biggest name in sports. Uh, they're coming, coming next year. And then they just signed Derek Jeter on Saturday. So whether you're a sports fan or not, their belief, and I don't think they're not wrong, is that they want the experts analyzing. And you will stop. Alex Rodriguez, not nearly as popular until he hopped on Fox. And now he's going to be working with Jeter which they used to be best friends in their early 20s, up until their late 20s, major falling out, then forced to be teammates, but they rarely talked. Now they're going to be teammates again on Fox, and they both look forward to it, so they made the announcement together. So in case anyone thought there was a rivalry that wasn't going to take place, I had a chance to go to an event. Alex Rodriguez was there, and I thought something was up. Uh, Also, I thought it was uh, pretty cool to point out that um, uh, that we were uh, actually covering this it was a very much uh, a family attitude between the Fox News, Fox, uh, the Spanish language, Fox Sports, uh, uh, Fox Weather, you know, Fox Business. Everyone had a presence. Everyone was helping out. In all my years at Fox, I don't remember anything going that long. Uh, I mean, there's that much synergy between all the branches. But it's going to be interesting because in terms of uh, Fox, Fox got baseball. Fox got Daytona this weekend. And Fox has got baseball, spring training pitchers and catchers report. Eric Shanks has got to be the busiest man in the history of in the world right now. Coming off the Super Bowl, right to Daytona, getting ready for baseball. And this is considered the relatively slow time, let alone the World Cup. That's right. If you think about the World Cup in the Middle East, followed by the playoffs, followed by the Super Bowl, followed by Daytona, followed by pitchers and catchers in baseball, this might be the last time there's a – after baseball, after – there's no Pro Bowl anymore. So after that, I think they may be able to take a break. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, I'll be with uh, Stuart Varney. And after that, we'll be able to take some calls right after. So the other big news that we were discussing, but not in much detail, is uh, what's going on in 2024. And there's a few other candidates who are about to get in. You know, I mentioned Tim Scott is on a listening tour. I also mentioned to you the cleans that Mike Pompeo on his book tour. He's been extremely, uh, I, I guess, open, accessible to all channels, especially ours. He wants to get his message out there. He was willing to bring some personal stuff into fray. After all, his son was the one who wrote the introduction. That's what you need. People got to know you. You know your policies, know you outside Kansas, where he now lives. Then Mike Pence. Mike Pence had a little bit of a derailment when he 
uh, was found to have classified documents in his house, was raised by the FBI, and now they're uh, going to they subpoenaed him to talk about January 6th, I think, or the former presidents who he's not really speaking to, taking documents home to Mar-a-Lago. I'm not sure he's going to answer that subpoena. But that might have been a side disarray, but a, a slight sidestep. But it keeps him in uh, in the news. And they always say Mike Pence is so mellow it's going to be hard for him to get traction. I'm not too sure. His books sell extremely well. Believe it or not, January 6th really made him look better than anybody else because of the way he acted. He didn't point fingers. The way he acted under pressure, he did the right thing. And I think that he'd be formidable on the stage. But I just can't see a stage when you have Pence, Pompeo, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, President Trump, at least, all agreeing on the same policies, all, except for maybe Nikki Haley when it comes to the Middle East, I think, you know, and and, uh, and pulling back on the Kurds in Afghanistan. I think that Pompeo pull off on the Afghanistan saying he was doing what Trump wanted. Besides that, and they're basically going to say, I'm younger and I'm more disciplined and I'm not subjected to petty feuds. That's it. And be ready to get hit back. So far, the donors are not coming to Trump, but does he really need him? Brian Kilmeade Show. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, in a matter of moments, going to do a, a simulcast on Stuart Varney, and we're going to talk about immigration. You know, Bill Hemmer's down there today. He took the trip south. I went back north here from Arizona, two and a half hours. He's at the border where it's a major issue. The biggest mystery to me is Carrie Lake losing. I just thought that who would want to be weaker on the border if you're from Arizona? I mean, why? How could Katie Hobbs win that? She was on with, uh, with Shannon Bream and said the typical Democratic thing. The federal government needs you to do more. No, no, President Biden needs to do more. The federal government was doing a lot, and they just stopped. So let's listen in, and we'll talk about this with Stuart Warren. That means it's kill me time. Brian, good morning. Uh, let's get into this. Residents returning home after that train derailment that released those toxic chemicals in Ohio. Uh, now they're sounding the alarm about the health effects that have followed. Listen to this. I'll get your comment. So when we went back there, we felt... Um, very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, we were coughing. Uh, our eyes were watering. Um, our skin was very flaky. This is the first time I've been here in a week, and I was here five minutes, and I had a head. I have a headache right now. I truly feel like the evacuation order was lifted too early, prematurely. Uh, you know, I advise people, you know, if you don't have to go back yet, I mean, try to stay where you are. So, Brian, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, assuming he's not on paternity leave, uh, tweeted that hazmat teams are on the, were on the site within hours, and that's pretty much it. Is that enough? No, it's not enough. Of course it's not enough. It's not his fault there was a derailment, but it's his fault for not doing an investigation expecting outrage. Because we're hearing a lot about it. it was one in South yeah. Carolina. There was, another, there was another collision, I believe, uh, in Texas. So there's a series of derailments. I believe the axle broke in this situation. But then all of a sudden, you have an old train where an axle could possibly break, possibly 50 cars full of toxic chemicals, and it blows, it basically poisons a town. This is now, you know, there's one Daily Mail article that talked about basically a nuclear bomb went off there, but they also did a detonation after they thought a detonating. 
these trucks so they don't explode on their own was the safest thing to do. Has he been back since? Have you seen a federal government official there? And by the way, where's the Republican governor? He should be standing up saying this is outrageous. This is we got to get some federal attention here because he'll pay attention. What I hope, uh, Ashley, is this. I hope he's not paying. He's not ignoring it because it's a red state. I hope he's not ignoring South Carolina's derailment because it's a red state. So that I hope there's just just being in this case, just being inept. Yesterday, ironically, he's giving a speech how infrastructure is so important but equity and how we distribute the construction job is key. While you have people right. scratching their skin, uh, having their epidermis leak off, having dogs die, uh, and being concerned about the water, even in Horrible. Kentucky they're concerned, uh, and, the, and the transportation secretary is MIA. A tweet to me does not show your hands yep. on. He's always, always behind on everything. But I want to get into this one, Brian. A new poll finds 63% of people say they're somewhat or very dissatisfied with the level of immigration uh, into this country. What are the other 30% thinking? But two Republican senators want to stop Washington, D.C. from allowing illegal immigrants and former Chinese Communist Party members from voting in local elections there. I mean, what the heck? What's, what do you think about that, Brian? Every Republican so-called conspiracy theorist says Democrats want to open up the borders because they want voters. And and the, the retort is always, why would they mm. we want voters? They can't vote if they're not citizens. If they're not citizens, if they sneak it to the country, there's no problem. This is exactly the problem. In Vermont, they're doing it. In New York City, right. they're trying to do it. Now in Washington, D.C., Republicans are scrambling to have a federal amendment that prevents, get the, guess what, people who aren't Americans from voting in American elections, but they're probably not going to have success in the Senate. So to me, this is the biggest fear and reinforces every worry Republicans have about the intentional collapse of our border by putting together the worst policies possible that would only lead you to one thing, either they're inept or their their diabolical mission is to bring illegals into our country to tilt future elections. So I hope that stops. But I'm also heartened by a Gallup poll. It says 66% of Americans mm. are dissatisfied about what's happening at the border. And for the most part, 47% thinks it's a national security threat. And 42% say it is a humanitarian crisis. I think it's both. Because I think a lot of people yeah. coming across, we know, are have, have bad intentions. And I think humanitarian, we see a lot of people dying en route. And uh, kids four years old, six years old, coming across uh, by with these coyotes it's, and being asked to come here and somehow survive. So maybe people are waking up. Absolutely. That makes Democrats react. I would hope so. It's taken a long enough time. Brian Kilmeade, thank you, Brian, so much for taking time to join us this morning. Really appreciate it. Ashley, thank you very okay. much. Appreciate you having uh, me on. All right. And by the way, to expand on that, this is what I find most heartening. Sixty six percent of people polled say they're dissatisfied with what we're doing with immigration. Nineteen percent increase in just two years because there's been and I think four million people coming here illegally. Um, So 64 percent want to decrease an overall immigration. I'm not anti-immigration. I love I love when people want to come to this country the legal way. We've got a process. I think it's what shows that we're not a dying society like Italy, like Japan, like Russia. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to live there. Uh, For the most part, I don't know why Italy's population is decreasing. They don't like kids, maybe. I'm not sure. But Russia is a hideous place. Uh, People that live there hate it. 
and people all want to they're dying off they're down to 150 million people for a country maybe the other thing is i like people coming in legally but i also know when you do it legally there's a lot of fees to be paid you got to play a perfect game you can't have any arrest dui or anything like that maybe you like that maybe you think it's too too uh severe but while you go through all these things to do it, you have to wait a long time, put up with a lot of scrutiny, pass tests. Other people walk across the border, get a sponsor family. Once they're here a certain amount of time, they can apply for citizenship and circumvent the entire process and make it a joke. So that, to me, is inequitable. That's an equity issue. And that, to me, needs to be addressed. But I like the fact that people want to come here. Uh, no one denies it. I don't think people I know are anti-immigration. Nobody I know really does not want people to come here. Usually the most dedicated Americans, the ones that bleed red, white, and blue, are the first generation. How do I know that? By people. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. At least I try not to. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade back at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country. Around the world, bottom of the hour, Congressman Bill Johnson, where that terrible chemical spill took place. We'll discuss what's going on in that small city of Ohio and how it's spreading throughout the region, and no one seems to care. John Roberts is standing by, getting says to host his show uh, with Sandra Smith at 1 o'clock today, right after Outnumbered. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. It's time for a new generation of leadership. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. I didn't supply the music. She did. 2024, Ambassador Nikki Haley is in. She was going to make it formal tomorrow. I guess she is, but kind of made it formal today. Meanwhile, the left vibes in D.C. are growing bullish about Joe Biden's polling. It shows a majority of Dems want a new standard bearer for 2024. Will Biden stick it out? We'll discuss. Number two. So when we went back there, we felt very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, We were coughing. uh, Our eyes were watering. um, Our skin was very flaky. You kidding? What a nightmare. Ohio City's abandoned and poisoned. If you seem to care, especially our transportation secretary, even though this gas was released due to a train derailment, which I believe has something to do with transportation. How do we help these people and how do we stop a rash of derailments? Number one. We cannot publicly go into many details about how we discover uh, and counteract foreign intelligence collection efforts. But... We were able to determine that China has a high-altitude balloon program for intelligence collection. Uh, There you go. That is John Kirby. China's balloon program, not so secret. We just haven't countered it. Now, quickly, this administration is doing what it does best. Say, Trump didn't even pick it up. At least we spotted it. So, better than Donald Trump seems to be the retort. John Roberts, no stranger to everything in Washington, had just about every important job, including uh, being the White House correspondent and listening to press spokespeople. And you know sometimes, John, you've told me that you could tell when people don't have the answer as opposed to when they don't want to give you the answer. Uh, I'm getting the sense with Corrine Jean-Pierre, most of the time she's not given the answer and doesn't want to give the answer. What about with Kirby? <laughs> 
Yeah, first, first of all, it's, it's amazing that they uh, trusted a guy like me with such an important job. But, but first of all, I we, think Kirby has got uh, more answers than Corinne Jean-Pierre does. Very often she'll come up to the podium with her big binder of answers and look like she's not familiar with the material uh, at all, with the exception of maybe having just sort of breezed through it on her way out to the podium. I, I could be wrong about that, but Ari Fleischer believes the same thing. Kirby, I think, has got a greater depth of knowledge about what has actually occurred in the meetings. But yesterday, I got the sense that they both didn't want to give more and didn't have a whole lot more. Because don't forget, they got some flybys with the F-22s and the F-16s when they shot down these objects. There is gun camera video out there somewhere that they haven't shared with us, but they also haven't found these objects, so they don't really know what they're dealing with other than what the pilots saw as they flew by, uh, going a lot faster than the object itself was. Right. Uh, I guess when you catch something that's slow, it's hard to photograph it. I got to look that up. Uh, so here's what John Kirby said to what you just said. Cut one. John, does the U.S. government have video or imagery of these latest intercepts, and will you guys be releasing it? You'd have to talk to DOD about that, Jackie. I, I, I don't know what kind of imagery might exist, and uh, and they'd be one to, to talk about whether they're releasable or not. Um, I, I do want to stress that, you know, we're going to want to make sure that we have had a chance to analyze that imagery uh, for ourselves as, as much as possible. So, uh does he not have the answer, or do you just want to give it? To me, that would be very easy. A video exists. We don't know when we're going to be releasing it, or if it doesn't. I don't think that they, they fully got the answer to what the gun camera video saw or whatever surveillance video was taken by the U-2 plane of the Chinese balloon or of the F-22s and the F-16s as they flew by the other objects. But that video is out there somewhere. I mean, how many how many pictures or videos did we see of bridges being blown up in Iraq or terrorists being taken out in Afghanistan? That video is on every one of those fighter jets every time they fire. And uh, it's out there somewhere, Brian. I, I just don't know when we're going to see it. But I'll tell you. Sometimes in Iraq and Afghanistan, we got the video within hours. So I don't know why they're sitting on it. Well, put it this way, John. Here's the scenario. The first one's a China balloon that we let go past Alaska, and even though uh, the president maybe ever refused to shoot it down. Number two, we've shot down three weather balloons. It's going to make it hard to predict uh, how long summer's going to be for the Weather Channel. <laughs> so I what, think they were I, confirming Punxsutawney Phil's. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> is, this, is this so embarrassing that we shot down three weather balloons that maybe we're never going to find out? Or are we, are we, are we going to? Well, let's put it this way. If you, don't, if you don't shoot them down, it looks like you're not doing your job, particularly in light of what happened with the Chinese balloon. And if you shoot down weather balloons, then it looks like you're overreacting. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But, but the, the one quibble that literally everybody I've had on our show talking about this has with the president is he downplayed this Chinese balloon as no big deal. It was too dangerous to take it down before it traversed the entire United States, checking out our nuclear sites and our B-2 bomber uh, bases, et cetera, et cetera, is that the, the Chinese potentially gleaned, unless we jammed the thing from the very beginning, the Chinese gleaned a, an incredible amount of information from a balloon that just slowly drifted over all of these sites on its way to the South Carolina coast. And the president saying, oh, this was no big deal. But even John Kirby said yesterday that balloons have the ability to linger, whereas low Earth orbit satellites yes. don't, you know, and from a height of 12 miles as opposed to 22,000 miles if it's a geostationary satellite or 100 and some odd miles if it's a low Earth orbit. So, yes, there was clearly value in the Chinese having this thing float over the United States for a week. And why the president is playing 
down that threat. I I can understand, but I don't think he's being particularly honest about it. Right. Uh, this is a time I think if you want to be president, you want this moment. Listen, let me tell you what I know and tell me what I don't know. Tell me what the concerns are. And this is what we've done. And I've talked to uh, the Pentagon and I've talked to the CIA about this and we're all over it. And I've uh, President Xi is not interested in talking right now. I'm very disappointed in that. That doesn't make people say to themselves, uh, the fact when you sometimes say, I don't know, it doesn't make people feel like you're being dishonest. But when you just don't say anything, and John, you know this feeling, they're 50 feet from the SUV, hours after Justin Trudeau addressed his country, we can't get the president to make, make eye contact with our press as he scurries into an SUV. I don't know who's advising him, but that to me is bad advice. I think that if the same thing had have happened under the Trump administration, well, first of all, they wouldn't let the balloon float across the United States. They would have taken it down. Uh, and I think that the response from Trump would have been much different. I, I remember covering the president uh, back then. He was, first of all, trying to be very friendly with Xi Jinping and then grew extremely annoyed with him. And I remember a couple of times we put the question to him, are you going to talk to Xi? He says, I don't want to talk to him. I've got no interest in talking to him. I'm, I'm not happy with with him. Uh, Biden, I'm not sure where he stands with any of this stuff because he really hasn't told us. He said the other day, oh, this isn't really going to affect U.S.-China relations. Well, how do you know that? Because they talked to them. Well, who's he talked to? What's he said? We have no idea. But he said he talked to him, but not about this and not since this happened. So he just threw out that sentence, totally irresponsible, that Judy Woodward followed up and go, wait a second, you talked to him? That's that's huge news. Like, well, not recently. <laughs> so it's like, why are you bringing that up? I have no idea, Brian. I, I, you know, I, I, I was pretty good at getting inside Trump's head, but I, I can't get inside Biden's head. I just don't know what's going on. Because you don't know what layers are getting through. You don't know if, you know, that he's the handoff guy or needs to be part of everything guy. You know, so I'm not, I'm not sure we're capable or just uh, he's so cautionary. So I want to bring you to some uh, another area, which I know you can appreciate with dealt with firsthand. So you remember when that Hunter Biden laptop came out, you remember that quickly everyone took it down and said it was Russian disinformation. And then that letter came out with 51 intel experts who said this looks like classic Russian disinformation. Today, the Washington Post you may have seen came out with a politifact and said Mm -hmm. uh, they never said it was Russian disinformation. They said it looked like it. Therefore, the headline was wrong. And those accusing them of signing off saying Russian disinformation was wrong. And now James Clapper's going, yeah, I never said it was Russian disinformation. This on the eve of uh, hearings on this. In all practical ways, they Joe Biden used this as backup that it wasn't his son's laptop. Does this astound you that this is the argument they're going to use? It really is quite incredible to me. Where where was Clapper in October of 2020 saying, hey, that headline in Politico is wrong. It's distorting what we said in the letter. Where where was Clapper when Biden said, quote, look, there were 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. Why didn't Clapper stand up and say, oh, hey, Joe Biden, you're distorting what the letter said. The letter said that uh, this the, the Hunter Biden emails has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information 
information operation. It did have this caveat. We want to emphasize we don't know if the emails provided in the New York Post by Rudy Giuliani are genuine or not, and we don't have evidence of Russian involvement, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. Brian, it's almost like I was prepared for this question. I mean, where, 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 where was Clapper saying, by the way, hang on, we think that it might be Russian. It kind of looks like it, but we're not saying that it is. So Politico, you're wrong. You should take down that headline. President Biden, you're wrong. You should take back what you said. He, he comes out two and a half years later and says this. What, what is that all about? Because he's about to be brought in front of Congress oh, uh, and asked Lord. about this. But, but we know, too, there's a lot of things. I, the, the names I was disappointed to sign that letter, Mike Morrell, as well as Leon Panetta. Yeah. Uh, for me. Well, Why did they sign it? Why did they send it? Exactly. What did they say? They were so quick to come out with, with what was a pretty comprehensive letter, and, and now, two and a half years later, they're disavowing it? What's up with that? Exactly. And when Joe Biden used it, it was very valuable. And Chris Wallace um, jumped in there and said 51 intel experts did it. And they all of a sudden stopped. And, and Trump was flabbergasted that, that he knew. By the way, we all know that Joe Biden knew it was his son. He knew it was his emails. He knew these people. So he was lying flat out because he knew these were son's emails. These were calls. His voice is on the laptop. Of, of, yeah, I know. Come on. So he lied about he lied right there. The the other thing is, I'm sure I don't watch enough CNN, John. That's one of my many faults. But <laughs> mine too. Yeah, but you know that Clapper and Brennan and others are on television during that time saying that this stuff is not real and it's just and it's not there. So I'm sure Jim Jordan's staff is probably going through it. This is so much revisionist history. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. Are you covering on your show? Down. Are you covering? Yeah, we'll be. Co- yeah, we'll be covering it. We uh, cover everything, Brian. Come on. I know, we, but we you, are, you only have like two hours. News. We're the big news in the afternoon. Hey, something else we're covering, and this is something I've got personal experience with as well from back in my youth, uh, is the uh, the big train derailment in Ohio, uh, November. 1979, I was at a party at a friend's house out in Mississauga, and I remember we were out, uh, he lived in a little cul-de-sac, and we were throwing a football around, and all of a sudden we saw this bright light in the sky and a plume of fire uh, on the horizon, and we got in the car and drove over there, and it was this massive train derailment. Propane tanks were blowing up. There were hazardous materials that were in this train. They ended up having to evacuate a town of 250,000 people as a result of this, and the, and the the aftermath lingered for years afterwards. So I know exactly what those folks in East Palestine are going through, and we'll be covering that today, and our hearts go out to them because they, they're there do seem to be the deleterious effects of toxic materials that are being experienced in the town, despite the fact that officials are saying everything's okay. Well, you know, on top of that, and it is one of my big three today, too, is they feel ignored. And I'm not saying that that should be devoid of a presidential visit. And certainly the Treasury Secretary, the Transportation Secretary can't be responsible for a derailment, but he can be responsible for a response at least on the ground showing you care. And he's talked about yesterday in a tweet to answer critics. I had a hazmat team there right away. But what have you done since? And, well, and, what, and what did he do at that National Association of Counties speech? He talked, he talked about labor equity. He talked about climate change. He talked about infrastructure and transportation. Didn't mention the train derailment. Didn't even mention it. Here it is. Cut 14. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing doing the good paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. 
Thanks. Uh, good. Okay. I can't. Even, I, I'd even, love to get qualified people and not worry about the color of their skin. I'm sorry about what happened in the past, but can we possibly look forward? And can you possibly have a hit list? And could this could could the poisoning of a city be in your top five? Even Ilhan Omer called him out, tweeting, we need congressional inquiry and direct action from Pete Buttigieg to address this tragedy. I mean, a, a, a word that's being kicked around to describe his response to this and so many other things is absent. Why isn't he out there? Quick last question, because I want to just tap into you. Just your opinion. When does, If Ron DeSantis gets in, when does he start answering, if at all, the president's barbs? Um, and accusations, the former president, does he ever? You know, that's a good question. And I'm, I've, I've been thinking about that. He sort of did the other day uh, where he said that I'm working to do this, this, and this, not to attack other Republicans. Um, other Republicans. So I, I think that if he does answer it, it will probably be in that form. I don't think he's going to directly take on Trump because then you alienate all the Trump voters. And you don't become the nominee if you alienate all the Trump voters. Or you don't become president if you alienate all the Trump voters. So I, I think he's probably going to play this very shrewdly. He, he may sort of just let anything that Trump says kind of twist out there. And then he'll say, look, I'm working for the good of the Republican Party. Yeah, and the not, quick not is to tear other people down. Yeah, you don't want to make it look like weakness, but nobody really thinks Ron DeSantis is weak. Uh, that's, no, I, I think yeah. that yeah, I think that's pretty much established. All right, nor John Roberts. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you you party, you throw a football around you, and you run up the the steps in the Philadelphia Museum to the Rocky statue. Everybody knows you're a physical, uh, you're a physical aggressive male. Yeah, you know what it is, Brian. It's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> John Roberts, thanks so much. We're going to watch you today with Sandra one to three. All right, buddy. We'll see you. You got it. Uh, back in a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Congressman Bill Johnson. He's in the district where this chemical explosion took place. It was a controlled detonation after a 150-car train derailment took place in the sound of Palestine, uh, Palestine, Ohio. And now the surrounding area, people are concerned about their dogs dying, their animals passing away, as well as some of the symptoms they're getting, their skin chafing, their headaches not subsiding. And it's a series of things that have everyone wondering was it right to allow people to go back? Was it right to do a controlled detonation of all these chemicals? Was it right to put all these chemicals in the train to begin with that no potentially, if anything could happen, these hazardous chemicals could derail? I'm going to talk to the man in charge of that district where you heard John Roberts. It is Elon Omar who came out and said the Secretary of Transportation has got to get down there and do something. These people need answers. Once again, a small town in Ohio. I just hope this has nothing to do with the fact that Ohio goes heavily for Trump and went for J.D. Vance and didn't go for any Democrat. And I just hope that that is the, uh, that is the reason politics isn't coming to fray. And then we'll, after that, I'll take your calls. Some good news, though, for the Fox family. They had the highest numbers in the last six years of the Super Bowl. Rihanna had 118 million people. They averaged 114 million. Uh, that will pay a few bills. Uh, and anyone who took out an ad, like the New York Mets or Greg Gutfeld in the Super Bowl, they got to feel happy about it. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're not done yet. Don't move.
If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So when we went back there, we felt um, very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, We were coughing. uh, Our eyes were watering. um, Our skin was very flaky and over the subsequent days, um, became very dry, uh, continued to flake. It was it was less than ideal, we can say that. And that is the description of the residents of Palestine, Palestine uh, Ohio. They were the victim of this Ohio derailment, which has basically poisoned the town. And there's so many questions and so many symptoms, but very few people seem interested. We are interested. Congressman Bill Johnson represents that district. The sixth one in Ohio. Congressman uh, also has a military background. We'll tap into your Air Force expertise, um, a career military officer, I should say, from 1973 to 1999. Congressman, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm just really Brian, uh, good, good the more I read you. about this since the first week in February. Do you feel like you're being ignored? No, not not at all. Now I will tell you, I heard the I heard the excerpt of the of the uh, lady that was just talking. Look, there is nothing more important than alleviating the concerns uh, of the residents of East Palestine and uh, making sure that they are safe and secure, that their water, that their air, uh, that their surroundings are environmentally safe. There's no question about that. What we, we don't know right yet, Brian, what we don't know. And this underscores the importance of continuing to test uh, until we've answered, until the experts, the EPA, uh, uh, Norfolk Southern, uh, you name it, until they've answered all the questions. Now, I was there yesterday, uh, Brian, and I'll be glad to give you a, a yeah, go ahead. lay of the land on Tell what, me. what I saw. I was there at the site, physically at the site, beside the railroad tracks. And, and I will tell you, I uh, and there was about 20 of us out there, including uh, members of the media. Um, I did not have, nor did I hear anybody else talking about itchy eyes, uh, burning skin, flaking skin, uh, smelling anything in the air, other than what you would expect, like uh, there had been a fire. I talked to the mayor uh, of East Palestine directly. Uh, the fire chief and the people from Norfolk Southern, according to the mayor, uh, he is convinced that the air testing is progressing satisfactorily and that so far above the city, there are, there are no toxicity levels to be concerned about uh, over, the to- over the city. Uh, he's also testing uh, uh, continually the water. And by the way, the people testing the water uh, are the same people that test their water all the time, even before this incident occurred. So I'm, I'm not telling you that we should stop the testing. I'm not telling you that we're out of, uh, out of the concern zone. But I am telling you that the progress is being made, and at least according to the mayor, he's pretty convinced that he's being told the truth. So I'm going to continue digging, but that's, that's where we are right now. So, in other words, you would live there. You would say, I live yeah, in any part yeah. of the town. You'd, you'd, you'd uh, put a tent right by where this controlled detonation took place. Well, I'm not saying I would put a tent there, Brian, because it's, it's pretty dirty right now. But, but if my home was there and I had gone through the testing, some 500 tests, uh, uh, air quality tests in the homes have been done, and they've got hundreds more scheduled. Uh, uh, residents are getting their water tested 
their ground wells tested. Uh, so I, I haven't heard anybody that's come to me directly uh, uh, among the residents. And I was at a residential support center. Nobody came up to me and, and said, hey, Congressman, I'm, I'm concerned about going back to my home. So, nobody has, uh, nobody right. has told me that. So listen, Congressman, they've, they were on our channel. Uh, they were on at 7. They were on at 11. Here's a little of it. Uh, this is using people from your district. Let's listen. I truly feel like the evacuation order was lifted too early, prematurely. Uh, you know, I advise people, you know, if you don't have to go back yet, yeah, I mean, try to stay where you are. As far as the smell, that's definitely present. I was, I can't today where we are right now at my shop. This is the first time I've been here in a week. And I was here five minutes and I had a headache. I have a headache right now. And you can smell it. Anyone who comes here who hasn't been here can smell it. So these are just three people. I mean, we, uh, I mean, have you met them? Have you met people that said that they don't, they smell anything? They're getting headaches, refuse to go to work? No, nobody's, nobody's called my office. Nobody's approached me when I was there yesterday and I was at that residential center. Nobody came up to me and said that. But let me qualify this, Brian. We shouldn't downplay what these people are saying. We, we absolutely should not. We should dig in, and, and the EPA and Norfolk Southern are on the hook to, to get these folks definitive answers. There's no question about that. As you know, uh, Norfolk Southern has been issued a letter of potential liability under CERCLA uh, for uh, super funds. Uh, you know, they've been put on notice that this investigation is far from over, not only the investigation as to what caused this crash, uh, this derailment in the first place, but the investigation into the exposure to potentially toxic and dangerous chemicals. That's going to be ongoing, and it's going to be ongoing for a while, I suspect. So what about the controlled detonation? Have they shown you that that was the best thing to do? Uh, well, now they told me it was. Here's what I was told, and I was on the phone directly with the CEO of, uh, of Norfolk Southern, uh, and he explained to me that 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 one or more of those cars carrying the vinyl chloride was showing signs of being unstable. Uh, the temperature was increasing. There was a danger that it was going to explode. If it had exploded on its own outside of a controlled explosion, uh, then shrapnel could have been launched for as far away as a mile. Uh, that could have been a devastating, devastating occurrence. You could have, fortunately, we've not had any loss of life or any significant building structures that have been hurt uh, or damaged. But, but had that explosion occurred organically on its own because of an unstable chemical, it could have sent shrapnel flying for a mile. He said, Congressman, we, we believe and we've been talking with the experts uh, since this happened that the best way to alleviate this is do a controlled, what they call a controlled explosion, so that we can uh, control the amount of gas uh, and liquids that are coming out, and so that we can monitor the air quality and keep it uh, controlled. So was it pretty? <laughs> no, it wasn't. We all saw it on TV, right? We saw the, the black plume and, and all of that. And I think that's why it's important that testing continue. So I was told that that was the best course of action but but I'm not a chemist, so right. I'm I'm going to have to rely on the people at the EPA uh, who say they are the experts uh, to to say was that the best course or not. So Senator uh, Congressman Bill Johnson's with us. Uh, he represents the sixth district where this uh, derailment took place and the chemicals uh, were emitted. 
Here's what Senator J.D. Vance said, cut 17, from Ohio. I think that the entire country, the media complex, the leaders of this country have decided to disregard the people of East Palestine. If you look at the way that this yeah. story has been covered, if it's been covered at all, it's about how, you know, there are, there are poor people in East Palestine who have been victimized by this disaster. Well, of course, that's true. But you want journalists asking tough questions about what's going on. You want to know, for example, what level of vinyl chloride is actually acceptable in the water? I've been trying to get an answer to that question for days. I haven't been able to get an answer to it. Why is vinyl chloride being or showing up in the Ohio River in West Virginia and Cincinnati, hundreds of miles away from where this accident took place? There are a lot of questions, and we don't, unfortunately, have a media that's actually interested in asking those questions. Do you, do you, can you answer those questions? Uh, no, I, I cannot, and that's why testing is continuing. I know the governor is there today. Uh, he's going to be addressing that issue of potential vinyl chloride uh, in the river. Now, I have been told, I haven't, I haven't spoken to the EPA directly, Brian, but I have been told that the EPA has said that the levels of vinyl chloride are so negligible to almost be, uh, to be uh, uh, that you can't discriminate it or that you can't define it. So I don't know the answers to those questions. I, I can assure you one thing. The people in East Palestine are not being ignored by me. Uh, I have been right. there. I've been involved in this since the beginning, and I'm going to continue to stay involved until we get these people the answers to the questions that they have. Congressman Bill Johnson is chairman of the House Committee, Subcommittee on Environmental Manufacturing and Critical Materials. So this derailment took place, uh, and with bad luck for you guys, right by where you are. So I, I saw right. 150 cars. Does it does it astound you just as somebody who's not I'm not in the transportation business, but does it astound you that this is the type of risk we take? I know it's got to be transported somehow, but in the worst case scenario, you've gotten the worst case scenario. It doesn't seem that responsible to put all these crazy, all these dangerous chemicals together. Should something like this happen? Again, I'm not a I'm not a chemist, nor uh, like you said, I'm not a transportation expert either. Uh, I can tell you we've got to transport these chemicals some way. <laughs> is it over? Is it over uh, commercial yeah. trucking? Uh, is it? Is it on a barge? Uh, Brian, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, when I was in the sixth grade, and a hurricane came through and sank a barge with toxic chemicals on it. And the barge was sitting down at the bottom of the river at a depth that they were concerned that the barrels of toxic chemicals were right. going to explode, and they evacuated the whole side of Baton Rouge. So. This has been going on for a long time, and we're going to have to continue to search for the best way to transport these gotcha. chemicals. I that, want you, that's for certain. Well, one thing is the transportation secretary has had bad luck and bad performance, whether it's uh, grounding all of air travel, whether it was Southwest Airlines, whether it was the supply chain. And this is what he was doing yesterday, cut 14. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good-paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. A man that probably doesn't own a screw gun is deciding that these infrastructure projects we're all paying for have diverse crews rather than the best crews, and your problem didn't even come up at all in his meeting. Well, I'm not surprised by that. You know, what, what surprised me 
was that uh, that that Mayor Pete was even selected for the position and nominated for the position that he's got. I mean, he took a train back and forth to college when he was in college. And that's what he knows about transportation. For crying out loud, you, you know, and, and I couldn't agree with you more, but, you know, we can we can talk all day about the irresponsibility and the lack of uh, the lack of uh, a sense of urgency and the lack of experience and expertise. It seems like President Biden, both national defense, and we've seen that play out over the last two weeks, and now in transportation, has surrounded himself with with some really questionable expertise. So what do you think of this Bloom situation as a, as a longtime uh, Air Force military officer? Very concerned. There's no question in my mind we are being probed, we are being tested. What we don't know is why. But I can guarantee you that the answer to why is not a good answer for us. Will you get briefed? We will eventually. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I don't sit on the Intel Committee, nor the uh, Armed Services or the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, but but Mike Turner from Ohio is on that committee. I've spoken with. Uh, I've spoken with Mike. I have routine conversations with him, with Mike McCall from Foreign Affairs, uh, and so. I, I, I have a good idea that those guys are being briefed, but I think the American people have a right, uh, and, and the public has a right to know what the administration knows, the details about these flying objects, what, whatever they are. <laughs> and we don't know if we shot down three weather balloons or not. We're about to find out. Um, and- I've never seen an I've never seen an octagon-shaped weather uh, balloon. I, I, I just haven't, but maybe that's something new in the <laughs> balloon industry. Well, we got to go to the Yukon, we got to go to Lake Huron, and we have to go to Alaska and the, and the depths of, of, of South Carolina to fish out what exactly is flying over our country. Uh, Congressman yeah. Bill Johnson, thanks so much. Brian, thanks. Okay, uh, we come back. We'll finish up and find out if there's more to know. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I just realized I need to know so much more. More to know. The Super Bowl hit six-year uh, audience high of $113 million. $113 million. Viewers on Fox, a six-year high, as I mentioned. The last time it was this high was Patriots against the Falcons. Didn't seem on paper to be that great a matchup, but remember, it was the greatest comeback ever. At halftime, Rihanna beat, uh, had high marks. The only one higher was Katy Perry back in 2015. Congratulations. By the way, Fox Deportes also set a record for the most watched Super Bowl in Spanish language, 951,000. So not bad. Kansas City Chief players welcome babies before and after the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, I guess, let me see. Uh, Chiefs offensive lineman Nick Algaretti had an unbelievable Sunday, and it wasn't just because of the Chiefs won. His wife, Christine, gave birth to the couple's twins. Algaretti also was the only Chiefs player on Baby Watch. Teammate Malcolm Hardin Jr. also tweeted out Sunday that his girlfriend, uh, Cherie Gordon, also gave birth 
Uh, he wrote, here's, a, here's the quote. OMG, her water broke. A Monday morning, a 24-year-old tweeted writing, he's here. So congratulations to all. That was a confusing baby message. Uh, whoa, wait a second. Uh, Barney franchise is back. Mattel says it's doing a comprehensive revitalization. Barney, the kids love it. The parents don't. Next. Best Starbucks drink. Top five most recommended across reviews. The number five is Cafe Latte. Number four is Nitro Cold Brew. I went through a phase like that. Pumpkin Spice Latte drops to three. I find that disturbing. To me, don't add the syrup. Brew it. Brew it, and I'd love it. I mean, you alone, with the amount of purchases you have, should have made it number one. I know. I was the first to take the risk, and I stayed there. Now the whole country's there. I I don't get any credit for that, do I? No. You started the trend. Vanilla Latte, again, is number two. And number one, I had this yesterday uh, in Phoenix, the Ice Brown Sugar Oat Milk Shake and Espresso. And my daughter kept saying to me, Dad, you will love this. You will love this. You should try this. And it's oat milk rather than milk. And I go, you got to write it down. So literally, I go back to her text every day when I pull to the drive-in to order it if it's not on the menu. Now, do you you just you don't know how to order it, like what to ask. You for just so you I just don't with... remember it. Oh, okay. Ice brown, ice brown sugar oat milk shake and espresso. So that's yeah, yeah, ordering a, a coffee should not take that long as far as to get it all out of your mouth. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I don't. I, I blame myself. Uh, Reddit users ask if it's rude to decline an invite to the bed to be best man due to a destination wedding. Uh, they use it. They sought advice. The Reddit user took an MIAA uh, hole to go for, go for this. Quote, I tell him I'd be more than happy to. Then he hits me with this. It's a destination wedding in Italy. None of, it's got, none of the costs are covered. So is it? Uh, in total, the Reddit believes it would cost over $2,000, something he sh- he said he wasn't willing to spend, and he has a wife and two children. Uh, he went on to explain that he and a best man would have had to pay for this flight, hotel, and everything else. Lifestyle and etiquette expert Elaine Swam shared thoughts with Fox News Digital, saying it's perfectly okay to tell the groom no. But now that he already said yes. But yeah, shouldn't the groom know if you're really tapped out, three kids, fixed income? Yeah, that's the thing. You get a, hey, could you be my best man? You're going to say, of course, yes. And then you find out, oh, it's going to cost you over two grand. It was a trap. Yes. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.